Welcome to Ask Me About K-Pop, the essential guide for recent converts and seasoned fans alike. My name is Shannon. And I'm Angelica. And welcome to a very special two-part deep dive. Oh, we love to do these ones. I know. And the like longer our show goes on, the more we're going to be able to do as these (laughs) groups stay long lasting. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, So as we teased when we got them in the random game recently, because we got too excited about it, (laughs) we are talking about TVXQ today, the first chapter of TVXQ. The first chapter, which we have dubbed DB5K. Yes. And if you have no idea why that is, just wait. Obviously, we're going to explain it. <laughs> um, but like with all deep dives, we always like start of our own uh, personal understandings or fandom of the group. Um, and I think that TVXQ for us has always been the two people version. Absolutely. Because all of this happened long before... We were K-pop fans. Yes. And well, when we started listening to K-pop, they were already two and had been two for a while. Mm-hmm. But both Yuno and Changmin were enlisted when yeah. we started listening to them. So it was several years into our K-pop that they like finally surfaced. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like I obviously like knew that there were five and that they were mm-hmm. super, super popular. And we've talked, we did on our like first legal battle episode, we talked about the like yeah, the fallout dispute. and we've talked about how their fans are the worst fans and we'll talk about it more today. <laughs> yes. TVXQ <laughs> has come up a lot in yeah, all of our episodes. They're a big part mm-hmm. of the history. Yeah. So like our sassing or scary fans episode, I think is what it's called and contract disputes. They were definitely like a huge feature of those two episodes. Um, but yeah, other than that, I feel like, I just knew of their like legend, yeah. I suppose. Like it because I didn't before doing this episode, I only ever cared about you know and Chang mm-hmm. and that is like still true. <laughs> but uh yeah, even like you know, before we became their fans or like the way that we became their fans or whatever, it was just like, no, they're always two. And like I knew that there was older stuff. Yeah. But I also knew that like when they came back with uh, Chance of Love, that was the comeback that like, okay, mm-hmm. we're paying attention now. I knew their discography was so huge that I like almost I never put effort into learning Going their back. five yeah. member stuff. I just never did. Because Same. I was like, what's the point? Like there's they're not there anymore. And I know it's like a huge, like thorn in all of our sides that <laughs> yeah. it happened and like whatever I'm loyal to you know and Chang Min my only oppas like right. I don't need to like I can hold that grudge sure. <laughs> it's fine <laughs> I don't have a problem with that and like just the two of them already had so much music to get to know so yeah. I just before this episode I knew very 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 little about the other three as individuals and as about right. them as five yeah I had not heard so many of these songs Mm -hmm. and we'll get into it but I was surprised by what the overall sound of five member TVXQ was because songs like Rising Sun or or you know like those bigger louder things I didn't realize how much acapella they did and we'll talk about it but like oh my god so talented oh I know (laughs) and part of me was almost like oh I like 
I'm like sad that this is how good five member TVXQ was because I was like always so perfectly satisfied with the two. Sure. And I still am. I love you. <laughs> but hearing all of the yeah. five, hearing the grandeur of the five was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Because it's really, it's really, it's really good. something. Um, so we should get into it. Yes. Okay. So if you've never listened to one of our deep dives, we're going to start out by telling you some overall information. We'll break down and introduce each member, and then we'll just go through their timeline chronologically. Mm-hmm. And like we said, this is just chapter one. Yeah. So TVXQ debuted on December 26th, 2003. We had initially planned this episode to come out right now because we th- I thought February 6th was their anniversary mm. or their debut, but it's not. That's their TV debut. Uh. But... Yuno's birthday is coming up very soon. In fact, I think it's the day this episode comes out. All right. So this is a birthday present to my one and only Opa. <laughs> Happy birthday, you know. TVXQ debuted under SM. Their fan color is pearl red. And their fan club name is Cassiopeia. We definitely talked about the origin of this fandom name in our fandom episode. Fandom 101. Yes. Um, But it is, Cassiopeia is the name of a constellation that has five stars, and there were originally five members. And if you look at a Q-W-E-R-T-Y keyboard, the letters T-V-F-X-Q create a similar shape to the constellation. The constellation's like a stretched out Mm. W. So the keys kind of make, they make a more squished W. Sure, I see. Personally, I'm like, meh, it's meh. The inclusion of the F comes from the pronunciation of their Chinese name, but you also cannot make the shape on the keyboard without the F, just like TVXQ wouldn't exist without their fans. Ah. Changmin came up with that explanation, so take your complaints to him. I learned also that Korean fans shorten the fandom name to Ka or Kang mm. when they're talking about themselves. But I find in English-speaking fandoms, it's shortened to Cassie's. Yes, Cassie's. Mm-hmm. Um, I also learned that they earned a bad, like their bad nickname at the height of their fandom was Gashiogapi, which is like gossip and Cassiopeia mm. because they were they were just a force. They were mean. And they did mean things a lot of times. I mean, we would not have had like 70% of our Scary Fans episode yeah. without the TVXQ mm-hmm. fandom. Um, so yeah, they really took took the fervor to whole new heights. For sure. Part of which is the creation of what we can, I think, officially call an, an urban. urban legend. <laughs> yes. That is that in 2008, TVXQ won the Guinness World Record for the largest official fan club. But this is not listed on the Guinness <laughs> official site. Yeah, it was apparently a fandom claim that like some blog said and then people ran with it. You know, has even said it on an episode of Happy Together. Like, <laughs> you know, thinks it's true too. The legend <laughs> continues. But someone like emailed Guinness and they were like, we don't have a record mm-hmm. for biggest fan club. But that still didn't stop them from getting super mad when EXO was declared to have a bigger fandom than them because they were like, mm. we had to pay back in our day and now it's free. So it doesn't actually count. And like they, they've started a lot of fights with a lot of fandoms over colors, over 
Over a lot of things. Over a lot of things. Over a lot of things. (laughs) Yes, Guinness does not have a record for largest fan club. They have a record for most number of fan clubs, which Mm. is held by Elvis Presley because he has over 600 around the world. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a Guinness world record that TVX holds, and we'll get to that in a second. This next thing I have under fandom because I talked about it in the HOT episode, so it felt like it also, I needed to research (laughs) it for this episode as well, and what I found cracked me up. So the popular ships in TVXQ of the five members were Yoon Jae, they were the parents, you know, was the dad, Jae Jung was the mom, Yusu, Yoo-chun, and Junsu, they were the funny ones, Mm. and then Ho-min, which is, you know, Chang-min, the ever, the, the like standing ship of the (laughs) ones that are left but i thought this was so funny the most popular fan site at the time did not allow any shipping or any fan fiction to be posted but there was a loophole you could post this stuff if you acquired autographs of the members within 24 hours of post registration a handwritten message stating that they permitted mention of their coupling a photo taken (laughs) before the time place in front of the sm office shot the shot must include the autograph and the face and it should be attached and no one was able to achieve this (laughs) obviously i love that somebody took the time to be like let's not just outlaw it outright let's just make it impossible to achieve (laughs) that's hilarious um and i found out some idols that are famed cassie's girls day mina is a huge fan exo schumann said he wouldn't be an idol without tvxq dreamcatcher sua blackpink jisoo she is changmin bias to be specific (laughs) b2b yuke nct yuta moonbyal and like so many more they were very influential They're a lot of people's favorite groups still. Absolutely. Um, And so for official group names, TVXQ actually has three different official (laughs) names. And as far as I can tell, all three of them roughly translate to the same phrase, which is rising gods of the East. TVXQ, stylized all caps with an exclamation point at the end, is an acronym of their Chinese name, Tongfangxianqi. In Japan, they're known as Tohoshinki. And then their most common, like, Korean name is DBSK, which stands for Dongbangshinki. And they usually use Dongbangshinki for their Korean introductions. And they, I have never seen them introduce themselves using the English letters TVXQ, yeah. but they do say it in a couple of songs. In songs, like, mm-hmm. as the intro, like, TVXQ. Yeah. Coming at you. Like, yeah. <laughs> Coming at you. <laughs> um, I also learned that Korean fans call five member TVXQ Obangshinki, and O is five, so mm, five. Mm-hmm. And then, or Gudongbang, which I think means old east. east. Sure. And then the new version is called Hyundongbang, which is current east. Sure, that makes sense. And apparently, Korean fans do not like Ibangshinki, which is two. Yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. like that name for whatever reason. They like to use Hyundongbang if they are trying to specifically. Mm-hmm. I think I, I was thinking about this, like, why do they hate it so much? And I actually get it because I feel like calling them current East and old East is like a way of respecting the fact that that's not what they are anymore without erasing the fact mm. that they used to be five and that that's not what it always yeah. was. So to call them 
to Bangshi or like we do to VXQ <laughs> is like ignoring sure, where sure, they sure. came from. So I get it. If you were like an original fan yeah. from the beginning, I get that. But so that is where our title comes from, DB5K. Yeah. Because this is about them as five. Okay, so overall stats and, like, fun facts about things that they have achieved. They did set a Guinness World Record in 2009 as being the most photographed celebrity (laughs) in the world. That They were estimated to have been photographed 500 million times from the time of their debut to 2009, which is only six years. (laughs) They have set numerous records for the Japanese music industry, a whole bunch of firsts, including having 34 top 10 singles and 12 number ones, which is the most by any foreign artist in Japan. They have 78 awards, 27 from different Japanese ceremonies, 6 from Thailand, 127 nominations, plus one award for celebrities with healthy teeth (laughs) from the Seoul Dental Association in 2004. And after finding that one about the lips (laughs) from like Blistex, I was like, yes, we have to make a mention of this. They were named Korea Power Celebrity by Forbes magazine four years in a row from 2012 to 2015. Their combined Korean and Japanese discography is 19 studio albums, nine live albums, four compilation albums, two EPs, one soundtrack album, four remix albums, one box set, 77 music videos, 14 concert tour videos, 10 documentaries, 74 singles, and 27 OSTs. Oh my God. (laughs) That's definitely the most of anyone that That we've we've talked about so far, for sure. That's crazy. They have had six international tours and 11 Japanese tours, including being the first Korean group to headline at the Tokyo Dome and the first foreign group to do the now-famed Five Dome Tour. They currently hold the record in Japan for the highest attended tour by a foreign act with their 2017 Begin Again Tour, which had over 1 million attendees. Wow. I know. They're a big fucking deal. Big Especially deal. in Japan. So when we go over the timeline... Unlike some of our other deep dives, we will be talking about their Japanese timeline and discography like we did with Boa because it's a big deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Time to meet the members. Time to meet the members. So we're going to start by talking about the current members. We'll go in age order and then we'll do age order for the former members. So that means that the first one is, you know, you know, birth name, Jung Yoon Ho. He is the leader, main rapper and dancer, vocalist, and center. His birthday is February 6th, 1986, so happy birthday, my dear. He was born in Gwangju, South Korea, and he is an Aquarius. (laughs) There are a lot of fucking Aquariuses in this group, and I was like, maybe that's why it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) It's possible. (laughs) I mean, you know and Changmin are both Aquariuses, and they both are like, our relationship is professional. We do not hang out when we're not working together. (laughs) not friends. (laughs) Anyway... In order to pick out, you know, from the group, he has the thinnest, longest face um, of like the rest of them. He has a very straight nose and monolid half moon eyes um, and just like generally small features. Like mm. I feel it. Like, I think his, even like, in the five. His feels small. And, his, like, yeah. yeah. His lips are small and like everybody else in the group has like big lips and mouths and he, all of his features are really small. And before 2005, he had a noticeable snaggle tooth. And it was so cute. It was I adorable. love pre-veneers, you know. He's like so <laughs> adorable because now he has those big old celebrity teeth that everyone gets. He does. But his <laughs> smile looks great. 
We love you, you know. You know trained with SM for two years after he won a prize at the first annual SM Best Competition in 1999. <laughs> he worked several part-time jobs to provide for himself while he was training. He shoveled snow in the mornings. He waited tables at night. He went to school and trained in between. He's talked before. I feel like we've talked on the show before. Mm-hmm. Like his parents were not into this being an idol thing. So he yeah. like moved to Seoul and slept on bus benches and like hustled yeah in order to be able to like put himself through this and he had like a poster of boa to get himself (laughs) through it (laughs) pre-debut he was placed in four different sm projects that never went anywhere and he's known as k-pop's dancing king by critics and sm's burning passion by label mates um we love to joke about the oh you will hear like sm artists joke too about like they don't, they try to like avoid getting caught by, you know, when they're mm-hmm. like coming out of the practice room or off of the stage. Cause he will give them notes for like two hours. Yeah. And the only group that is exempt from, you notes is shiny. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> but yeah. He's very like extremely detail oriented and like always thinking about production and dancing and like whatever. And mm-hmm. he's like hyper focused in a really nutty way in a way that drives <laughs> even boa crazy and, <laughs> and she's the know... only person he's the only person she likes yeah 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 <laughs> and like she is super meticulous herself like we talked about that in her like directing of like girls on top and uh espa mm-hmm. and so but like she has said like we don't work together often because he drives me insane <laughs> <laughs> But you know is the only Asian performer who was invited to be a part of the Michael Jackson tribute concert, This Is It, and he performed at the Korean leg of the tour. He made his Japanese solo debut in May 2015 with the You Know Why EP, and he made his Korean solo debut in June of 2019 with a True Colors EP, and he is on Instagram at You Know 2154. Yay! All right, next up, our maknae. <laughs> Max Changmin, birth name Shim Changmin. He is our maknae and main vocalist. And he was born February 18th, 1988. So happy almost birthday. Mm-hmm. In Seoul. And like I said before, he is an Aquarius. Yeah, Changmin is like 30 hours younger than me. <laughs> We're like almost exactly the same age. He is the tallest member, both in just the two and the five. Um, he's six one, and I think even in the five, he might have had the widest face. But Jae Jung's face is pretty wide too. Mm. Now is two. He definitely has the widest face because Yunus <laughs> is very thin. He has very long, wide lips who that like definitely churn down on the corners, and he has like a distinguishable line in the middle mm. of his top lip. I don't know if it's a scar or if it's just like the way that his lips are, but it's like a line in the middle of it. Um, and he just generally has large features. He has a big mouth, big ears. Um, and I noticed it as I was like scrolling through the Google image of to yeah, like describe just it. At his face. He has a natural asymmetry where one of his eyes is like a little bit smaller and one of his eyebrows is like a little bit higher and it makes it look like he's always like slightly in disbelief. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like slightly affronted misbelief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's very fitting of his I personality. Agree. <laughs> I agree. I saw that note and I was like, yes. 
Um, I also noted because when I was listening to songs, I wrote some voice characteristics, yeah. and like Changmin's voice, I think is the graveliest of I would all agree. the five, and he most of the time had the like crazy high notes at the end, the really yeah. impressive, ridiculous high notes. They brought the him in to scream at the end, to wail at the end, yes. to do the major key change. He usually like comes in like after the main part mm-hmm. of the song to do the like yeah, <laughs> moment. He is a Buddhist. He's the only one in TVXQ. And he's also the only one of the original lineup who was not born in 1986. Mm. Um, he was scouted at school while he was singing and playing badminton at the same time. And he didn't want to be a singer, but his mom wanted to meet Boa. So she <laughs> told him to audition just for fun. And he ended up passing two rounds of auditions and was cast after he won the Best Singer and Best Artist Award at SM's sixth annual Youth Best Contest. Wow. I love that. That is the best. I think that's the best reasoning we've learned we've so far. We found. I totally Mom wants agree. to meet Boa is so good. And now we know she's probably met Boa a bunch Hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. I bet Boa's been to her house. Uh, he has 19 songwriting credits, including Chinese Sleepless Night and Timmy's Ace. He made his own solo debut in April 2020 with the EP Chocolate. And in 2019, he confirmed a public relationship with a non-celebrity woman whom he married in October of 2020. They have two dogs. Yes, there's two dogs. <laughs> Wait, when do they get there's dumpling? There's always been two dogs. This is the thing. We only ever He's never Buzzy. taken a picture of the two dogs at the same time. <gasps> But there are two dogs. I think the older one might live with his parents and the baby he got with his wife. And because who doesn't take a picture of their of two, the dogs two dogs sitting together? together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's Mandung and he's a Maltese and he's like scraggly. And then he got a baby named Buzzy and it's a Bichon. But they're both like little white, little white scraggly dogs. dogs. Yeah. Um, but he's never taken a picture of both of them at the same time. But there's two dogs. That's so funny. There's two dogs. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, well, he is on Instagram if you want to see pictures of his dogs one at a time. Um, at Changmin88. Um, and this was a weird, cute, fun fact. And I didn't know where else to put it. I think but right here in the place. episode. <laughs> so since Yuno and Changmin's birthdays are only 12 days apart, the fandom designated February 12th as TVXQ's middle birthday. <laughs> that is really cute. I hope they have joint fan birthday parties. It's a great time. I mean, it's a great excuse. Double cup sleeve event. Like, yep. One mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Perfect. All right, so now we're getting into the former members. And as you have noticed already with You Know You Know and Max Changmin, every member of TVXQ had a stage name. I have them written later in the timeline. I'll explain them all. Yes. So our first one was known as Hero, uh, birth name Kim Jae-jung. He was a main vocalist, visual, and face. He was born January 26, 1986 in Gongju, South Korea, so also an Aquarius. He, I would say, has another like wide face in the group. Mm. So I don't know whose face is wider, <laughs> his or Changmin's. Um, but he has like a large square jaw with like very big lips, no Cupid's bow on the top. Um, and I feel like his eyes kind of look like Heechel's in the like heavy lidded mm. sort of way. Um, they're very long. They're very long. He has like very long features, like horizontally long. And I feel like he has resting bitch face. Like he, he has a very intense mm. stare with long eyebrows that like, I know he smiles a lot, but like when he's like in the music videos, he just looks like. 
you know, disdainful. Mm-hmm. Um, and he usually is the longest hair. That seemed to be the rules that Jay Jung always has the longest hair and a debut was black. And then after a while he switched to blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He to me looks so much like a final final fantasy character yes. or something like yeah, yeah, yeah. he has the most like anime boy face that i think i've, I've ever, ever seen. seen like in the balloons music video when he has those little cat ears he looks like a cat boy who yeah. has who actually has cat ears yes. like from a manga yeah it's he wild. looks he looks a lot like inuyasha it's very, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the balloons video, we'll get to it in the timeline, but like that was one of the first like old TVXQ things that I saw. And I remember seeing him and being like, who is this cartoon come to life? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, but he was adopted at a young age. And then he also moved to Seoul at 15 by himself to audition for SM and worked a lot of odd jobs while training to pay for rent, food, and training fees on his own. So wow. he and you know him both and you had know that. Are just little hustlers. I know. Um, he currently has still still hustling. He has a ton of businesses, including two cafes, a restaurant chain, a bar, a clothing store, which he is the CEO and designer for, and he owns a mall. Wow. Yeah. He left TVXQ in 2010, and he was a member of JYJ in from 2010 to 2015. And I guess now he's like still a soloist. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, last I heard, yeah. was he the one who got in trouble for making a bad coronavirus joke? Yes, <laughs> that's yeah, the last I, think I he heard. Is. Is that I think so. For April yeah, yeah, Fools yeah. last year, he was like, "I have coronavirus." April Fools, and everyone was like, "That no. wasn't funny, yeah. dude." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that that was him. Um, but and we'll talk about it too. But like the three members that these three former members did not continue to focus in Korea. So like when we say like, does he have a solo career now? I don't know because he took it outside of the country. Yes, because as we noted in the contract disputes episode like they did to the HOTs as well. SM, like, got them blacklisted from yeah. being on TV. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So next in the timeline, or next in the age order is Mickey, birth name Park Yoo-chan. He was the main rapper and a lead vocal. He was born June 4th, 1986 in Seoul, and so he is a Gemini. He has, like, a rounder jaw, and the... I couldn't find a good way to like really describe him because I feel like he just looks like such a like normal man, but he does have the most prominent Adam's apple. Mm-hmm. I noticed that in all the pictures. And I think nowadays he looks like a TV detective, but I think that's a little ironic. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I always like his cheeks and like, he does have like sticky out ears. Like, I don't know. He has like he's monkey. the fullest cheeks. The fullest cheeks. Um, And his early era hair was usually just like a shaggy mullet. So I think that that contributes to his like normal guy. They also put him in a lot of dumb hats. A lot of dumb hats. A lot of like ski goggles (sighs) and like Naruto headbands. He was that guy. Um, He actually, he was born in Seoul, but he moved to the U.S. in sixth grade and lived in Virginia. And he was the last to be added to TVXQ. He trained for only a few months before they debuted. And he currently owns a a restaurant chain in Japan with Jeju. But he retired, quote unquote, from the music industry on April 24th, 2019, two days before being arrested for buying a... certain amount of some drug that is a type of a methamphetamine and he has a ton of legal trouble legal troubles um drug charges rape accusations so much more um he has a he's a real bad piece of shit. rap <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. a lot of charges it was funny to see this date 
of because I remembered when we were in Korea, his dumb face was on the TV. Yeah. And his little handcuffs yep. looking so sad, like mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. So he left TVXQ in 2010, and he was a member of JYJ from 2010 to 2015. And after that, I don't know, I guess he just fucked around and broke the law. I mean, he wasn't a ton of dramas. Like he, I mean, he, his star was not that, like his star was pretty good before he fucked it up. But mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He did a lot of acting. So last but not least, um, youngest aside from Changmin is Xia. Is that how Shia. you say it? Shia. Okay. Birth name Kim Jun Su. He was the main vocalist and a lead dancer. Uh, Jun Su was born December 15th, 1986 in Gyeonggi-do. Yeah, Gyeonggi-do. Um, he is a Sagittarius. He has a round nose and a big upper lip with like the teeniest, tiniest Cupid's bow I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I personally, like when I see them quickly in the music videos, I can only distinguish him and Mickey because of their hair. Like I have to, I need like a minute to sit with their faces. Um, but his jawline is squarer than Mickey's is. Um, and he is very bushy eyebrows and he was blonde at the debut, but when he has his like short brown hair, I feel like he also looks, he like has very normal guy energy. He looks very different when he has short hair than when he does long hair to me. So I don't know why his face couldn't like, thinking yeah i don't know i feel like the way i don't know to me it seems like his facial features are smaller than his head like his yes, face he is has like so much more in the middle and jaw yes but all of his features are like little in the middle and i feel like in almost every picture i feel like he looks he reminds me of a different person i know yeah he these are different these are these all different are all people, different people. <laughs> Um, did you write these next two notes? Oh, I did. Let's see. Did you say that he was shorter I did already? Not. Okay. So he's the shortest member at 5'10". And I thought that he had, I wrote huskiest, but that's not the right mm-hmm. word. The word is, it's like, mm, round? No, it's like, throaty. Like the, yeah. Or well, I, I had the word earlier today and then I lost it again. It's like. Not a squeak. I don't even know what I'm saying, but there's an interesting there's a quality, quality to, to his, his voice, voice that is so mm-hmm. much different than the other four that it always like stands out. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, you can always you can you can hear his voice for sure. He is a twin brother whose name is Junho, and he was in a public relationship with EXID's Hani in 2016. They were together for a little bit more than a year and a half. Uh, and like the others, he left in 2010 and became a member of JYJ from 2010 to 2015. He's been in a ton of musicals as well. So many mm-hmm. musicals. That's been like his main like solo yeah. thing, I think. Um, but he just recently, I think like last year, started to like make a comeback in Korea. And mm-hmm. it had been a decade. Um, so yeah. Welcome back, Junsu. Welcome back. <laughs> All right. Everybody take a deep breath and stretch a little bit because we're about to get into the timeline. And there's so much (laughs) to cover. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. (laughs) I know, man. It took me like a week to put it all together. All right. Or more. (laughs) More, actually. I think it took more. So we're going to start pre-debut. 
Lee Suman needed a new boy band after H.O.T. disbanded in 2001 and Xinhua ended in 2003. So he chose five boys from four different SM training teams. So they were not already training together. Junsu, Yuno, and Jejung had been in different random SM groups and projects, but Changmin and Yuchun were new. They had not been put in anything before. And apparently they were told to go to a photo shoot. So like they didn't know. They were just like, go to this photo shoot. And when they got there, it turned out to be a briefing meeting about the debut from which they immediately were moved into the dorms by their manager. Dang. Yeah. So it was like, go to a photo shoot. Just kidding. You're debuting tomorrow. Go move into your new dorm. So they recorded their first song, Thanks To, a few weeks later, which they performed at the SM New Face Showcase. And after this showcase, Yuno was named the leader. So even as five, Yuno was always the leader. They went through several names, including SM5 and Dream Team, which I just wrote because I thought those were goofy. <laughs> um, but they eventually landed on Dongbang Pulpe, which means Invincible East. And this is the... Korean version of actually maybe it is the same as the his name in Chinese but it's a character from mm. like a from like a wuxia shansha like novel or it's a martial arts like character but Lee Suman decided that the hanja the the Chinese characters were ugly he didn't like the way that it looked so he was like no we can't go with this and apparently his uh, acquaintance suggested dobang shinki which he liked the hanja of which i guess is the TBXQ one, which I don't even remember what that stands for anymore, but whatever. So that's how they ended up on it. Um, I read that allegedly at Lee Suman's original plan for TBXQ was to try to get big in China, mm. which we now know from history. He didn't, he didn't get to that till EXO. That explains but, the TBXQ yeah. being Chinese characters. Yeah. That's what he wanted. And he also wanted them to have four character names because apparently that was extremely trendy at the time, mm. but they mostly only ever used the English versions, versions like hero, like they said hero. But mm. for example, so, you know, you know, it's like spelled both all four spelled different, Yeah, but you know, you know. Um, was an ambiguous expression containing the heart to always know and understand the other person through the word, you know, that's the meaning of his name. And then, um, Yong Ung Jejung is hero, Jejung, mm. but in Korea. And then Shia Junsu means star of Asia. Okay. Mickey Yuchun, Mickey was his, the name he went by in America. So that one was easy. And then Che Gong Changmin means like most strong. So max, mm. like strongest max. power. Gotcha. Max Changmin. But uh, I always wondered why it was max. Yeah. Because okay. the Korean one has actually yeah, has yeah, two yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was said to contain his aspiration to become the strongest in Asia. So like they seemed like they always wanted, like with the success of Boa, it seemed like Lee Suman was like, this group is going to be my like Asia group. That's yeah, going to yeah, get yeah. real huge. Yeah, and that explains why he would have made their main name Chinese mm -hmm. and then, like, been prepared with a Japanese one because Boa had already been able to, like, start gaining traction in Japan. So he's like, all right, I got my sights set <laughs> on the big ones. So that brings us to December 26th, 2003. They debuted with a single called Hug. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
This song was composed by Park Changhyun and produced by Lee Suman, although most of their music is not produced by Lee Suman, he was around at the beginning. Um, and the music video for this one has them like all in white outfits, very soft, like gauzy blown out lighting so that they like, you know, look like angels. And then there's also like black trench coats for the dance break and for mm -hmm. them to walk dramatically through a field. But they're mostly like acting out the lyrics and the lyrics of the song are like every verse is like, I'd like to be your bed. I'd like to be your diary, like just mm -hmm. so I could be closer to you, girl. And it has this very, hold on. Is it the line about the bosom? Yes. I yeah. thought I had it in here. That one really threw me for a loop when I looked up those lyrics. I was like, oh, that's kind of gross, actually. <laughs> okay. Including Changmin's verse that goes, just for one day, I would like to be your kitten, baby, while staying in your soft bosom, enjoying the delicious milk you give. <laughs> and the song is like so cheesy, like cheesy. It doesn't sound like the kind of song that would say that. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> but the song is very pleasant and very pretty. Um... Yeah, and it's just like beautiful, like five part harmonies and like a little plucky guitar. Um, and this one had kind of like a simple sound too. I feel like later they start like layering. They create yeah. like a wall of sound, which I don't mean to say that they make disco music because they do not. <laughs> but it, I feel like they have a TVXQ wall of sound that yeah. is not yet in this debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My only note for the debut video was that baby Changmin is smiling in the most unnatural, hilarious way. He was too much for me. That's what my note <laughs> says. Baby Changmin is, every time I saw his face, I was like, I can't, I can't look at you with this goofy ass smile it's on your so face. It's so fake and he like <laughs> looks scared and it's so funny. <laughs> seeing baby Changmin in all of these I couldn't because like you know I like knew what to expect and like he's giving it his all always, <laughs> always. but like especially knowing Changmin's like ornery personality <laughs> I was just like I know you've always been a cranky old man even when you were 18 in this fucking music video so it's hilarious but anyway, so December 26th is what's known. They recognize that as their official debut date, but this is actually the date of their debut stage. The album or the single was not released until January. Um, but on December 26th, they were able to make their debut stage at the Boa and Britney Spears showcase where they performed Hug and an acapella version of Oh Holy Night with Boa. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. They are such good singers. They're such good singers. So their TV debut, so like I said, the album was released in January. The TV debut was February 6th. 2004 on Music Tank, which was a show that was uh, on Mnet. It doesn't exist anymore. And they also did the same two songs. They did Hug and uh, Oh Holy Night. 
Um, and I can't remember if Boa showed up. I think that she did, but maybe not. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> so the album itself, though, was a sleeper hit because it came out in on January 14th and it debuted at number 37 and only sold like less than 5,000 copies. But after they went on TV in February... Now people are paying attention mm. because they're beautiful. So the song peaked at number four and it stayed on the chart for 10 consecutive months. It ended up winning six music shows, three at Inkigayo, three at Music Camp, and they promoted it until April. And in the end, it sold um, around 160,000 physical copies by the end of 2004. Wow. Yeah. February 1st is Cassiopeia's birthday. That's when they had their first fan meeting, decided to be red, picked the logo, did all of that stuff. I tried really hard to find out how big the, it said that it was held at the Mesa, Mesa Popcorn Hall was the name of the place. <laughs> and I found it on Google Maps, but I couldn't find its like website. I just wanted yeah. to know how many people were there because I yeah, remember yeah. the HOT like first fan meet was in a stadium and it was, so I was like, how many people came? Mm -hmm. I couldn't find out. So whatever. Yeah. So, like I said, they they promoted Hug until April. So they didn't follow it up until June 24th, 2004, with their second single called The Way You Are. This song was composed by Taehoon, Daniel Pander, and Hwang Sung-jae. And the music video concept is mesh, motorcycles, <laughs> gambling, big hair, pool hall, and why are all these teenagers in a bar was my main question. Oh, yeah. Why are all these, like, this is such a, like, grown-up-y music video, and they are all teenagers. Yes, and there's, like, a bad girl <laughs> who's, like, she's winning all the gambling or whatever, and, like, she also looks very, very young. And there's just so much mesh. Mm-hmm. So much mesh. No one's wearing a real shirt. No. Nope. Not anyone. Um, but this song is excellent. It's so fun and I, so good. Oh, I fucking love this song. It is like excellent early 2000s pop. And there's now you're starting to get like the that wall of sound with like they have they love a string. They have mm -hmm. strings in like every single one of their songs. All these harmonies, slap and bass. It's great. Yeah, the lyrics to this one are just like, I want to know everything about you, girl, and like, stop denying, I know mm -hmm. you like me, like, don't make me be lonely anymore. Yeah. And the hair in the music video is like starting to gain volume, but where we really reach a peak is on the stage. I My note for the stage was, I seriously need to know these early K-pop stylists' secret to the root lifting. The volume. Their hair is just like literally not touching their scalp at all, but it also is bouncy and fluffy. Like it's not gelled. It like blows in the wind, but it is fully coming away from their heads in a way that I don't understand. They look like... Pomeranians like they're it's so the way it sticks straight out of their hair is is it's insane it defies the laws of physics <laughs> I don't understand Jaejung in particular with his like long bangs and his like little tw half twisties and that insane poof oh wow yeah just like w architecture of hair it's amazing it's amazing um, so this single peaked at number two, so did significantly better the, fir the, the first time around, and it sold 300,000 physical copies by the end of the year. That's double the last one almost. Yeah. So they were 
once they had their TV debut, it was like, all right, we're into them. We're here. Mm -hmm. On October 11th, that same year, they released their debut album, which was called Triangle, Tri-Angle. And the title track was also called Triangle. It features Boa and Trax. This song was composed by Yu Young Jin, Groovy K, and it samples Mozart's Symphony Number no. 40 in G minor. In the music video, all of the members have Final Fantasy hair, and they are looking down disapprovingly from high towers with like crazy makeup, like eye feathers, and really oh. like intense. They're just like beings. And then there's like an orchestra and like full white, like spooky cloaks. And Boa comes down and is like an angel, and mm -hmm. she's like feathers and white. And it's just like in a nowhere CGI, like dark. Yeah. I don't know. They're just like beings looking down on the earth disapprovingly because the lyrics are like the, the lyrics have tears of blood in it Amazing. shout out to tears of blood we love tears of blood uh like the tears of blood are falling we have to fix this broken world and fill it with beautiful things before it's too late it's like classic sm we have to change yeah. the world drama and the drama <laughs> of this music video is Unreal. Like when we talk about anime hair in K-pop, like this is the anime hair to end all. Yeah. Like it is so bananas. Changmin's, there's no excuse for what they did to Changmin's head. It's mind-blowing. It's actually triangles. Yeah. So many triangles. And he has like crazy spider makeup. The feathers on Yuno's eye. eyes are so big. I remember in the stage thinking that he, I was like, did they make him dance? No, they're not going to make him dance with those feathers. But it was like painted on instead mm. of an actual one. But I I had to, I wrote down specifically what all of their hair looks like because okay, I please. had to. So, uh, Yuchun looks like, um, wait, oh, I don't have Yuno on here. I guess Yuno just had like a mullet. Um, but Mickey has like Edward Scissorhands like nest, mm -hmm. black and like greasy looking. Uh, Changmin, triangles, <laughs> literally. Please watch it. Um, John Su has his hair pulled back. It's like very, very streaky blonde, like mm -hmm. almost looks like stripes. And it is pulled back into like the tightest ponytail with these very, very long bangs. He looks like a very fancy fancy like Mortal Kombat character or mm -hmm. something. Jae Jung has an elegant half pony also with long bangs and his hair is brown. Um, and then, oh no, wait. I was wrong. That is Yuno. Yuno has the Edward Scissorhands. Um, okay. I thought I was using uh, Mickey's real name here but that uh. clearly stands for you know so mickey <laughs> has his naruto headband yes with the yes. with the goggles, with the goggles on, on, on top half yes 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 and his hair is very very spiky but honestly like this song if it did not have the because tracks i think we've talked about them before they're like a band mm -hmm. and they make like and there's a part in the song that is that and if that part wasn't in the song, oh man, would I love this song so much. <laughs> I fucking love the Mozart sample. It is the perfect level of drama to yeah. it. The like chorus is so good. <laughs> Boa's part is perfection. 
And then we like take a break to like, yeah, <laughs> and then we come back to it. So it's a different sound mm-hmm. from their first two. That is for sure. Um, the album sold, the album sold 240,000 copies in the first month, and it was their first release to debut at number one. It became the eighth most successful album of the year in South Korea. And they actually made a lot of music videos for the B-sides off of this album. They promoted I Believe along with Triangle, and they released Mandarin versions of the popular singles on the Taiwanese presses of Triangles. But there are five music videos from this album. Triangle, I Believe, My Little Princess, Thanks To, and Whatever They Say, parentheses, acapella. And I noticed they're all in the playlist, but I thought it was so funny. The thanks to music video was not, it's one of the ones not on the actual SM channel. And that is because they absolutely illegally filmed this music (laughs) video at Disneyland. Like you go to Toontown, you go to the back of Disneyland to Toontown where no one is. And they like go into like, they're in like Chip and Dale's house and the Donald (laughs) boat and like angling it so that you don't catch any like Disney stuff. And they clearly just like snuck the, like went to the park and then like were pretending to be tourists and being like lip sync the song. Yeah, and yeah, they, like, yeah. Filmed a music video at Disneyland. And yes, I'm just trying to bury it. <laughs> and like a couple of the other music videos are obviously in California. So they like packed them on a plane and we're like, let's go knock them out. <laughs> um, okay. So this is a piece of news on August 10th, 2004, both, TVXQ and a group called Wanted got into car accidents on the same day. On the way back from to Seoul from a concert in Busan, both bands were involved in separate car accidents from managers falling asleep at the wheel on the same day. That's crazy. Unfortunately, a member of Wanted, So Jae-ho, was killed in this accident And this is when the Cassiopeias got their first bad rap Mm. because all they were talking about is, thank God my opa was saved and made it all about themselves, which wanted and wanted fans and everyone else found reasonably upsetting. Upsetting. Mm. Not looking good. Not looking good. (laughs) So a few months after that tragedy, Um, In November of 2004, they signed with the Japanese company Avex Group, and they released an English version of Hug. But the single was not very popular. So in an effort to try and promote it, the members moved to Japan, learned Japanese, and rebranded as Toho Shinki to release their new debut single through the Avex label Rhythm Zone. And their new debut single as Toho Shinki came out on April 27th, 2005, and it is called Stay With Me Tonight. This song reached number 37 on the Oricon singles chart, but it was used for the ending of a TV drama uh, called Kusano Kid. And it does, I think, sound kind of like a um, like mm-hmm. a drama song, but I, ha- I did make the note that like, it's a slow jam and it's pretty nice. It has like Spanish-ish guitar in it. Um, and there's like a fun like white tuxedo dance set in the music video. But in Yuno's rap break, he literally says, Wiki, wiki, what, what? 
Yeah, my only notes for this one were LMAO, LMAO these baggy white <laughs> with tails. Because the suits have tails. tails and the pants are so <laughs> baggy. They're so, yeah, the white tuxes are really, really goofy. And then I wrote this song is too repetitive. And then I learned later down the list that that's just an overall note for the Japanese discography. All yeah. of the songs are like six minutes long and they just repeat themselves like eight, nine times. Oh, it's wild. And like a trend of their Japanese discography is that they just release singles, single, 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 single. And then their albums are just all of the singles they've already put out. And like by the end of the timeline, all their Japanese songs started like blurring Running together to in my heads. But anyway... A few months afterward, they came back in Korea. June 20th, 2005, they released a non-album single called Hi-Yai, Hi-Yai-Ya. Yeah, just two. Hi-Yai-Ya. This song was composed by Bae-Hwa... Young and Kenzie, one of the only songs that Kenzie has written so far in this timeline. Um, the music video concept of this one is beach resort, yacht, fun times, various outfits with your large pants, tank tops, flowy shirts, no shirts, 2005 sunglasses. Mine, I was going crazy watching this one because I was like, this is taking me back. Because they look so much more like regular boys in this music video. Mm -hmm. Like all of their hair is just slightly better done than every boy in my high school in 2005. Like that grow your hair like shag over your ears. Like everybody had that haircut. Theirs mm -hmm. look slightly better. Um, and seeing the sunglasses of my youth, all like those friggin' like clear square <laughs> sunglasses, like get me all riled. And I wrote like, if I had seen this when I was 17, I would have been so extremely super into it. And then I would have gone back and watched their other existing music videos and I would have noped out really hard. But this <laughs> would have gotten me like this would have gotten me because yeah. it was like. It was the level of boy band I was used to. Fair enough. I thought that this song almost sounded like, uh, well, for one, it's the first time that their songs start with like a rap break. Mm. Um, but it is like a fun, like bouncy summer song to it. Um, but I thought it almost felt kind of like a musical song. Yeah, like not, sure. not, it doesn't sound like ABBA, but it felt like Mamma Mia. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think also part of it is that the way they sing the hi ya ya reminds hi, me of. Hi, ya, ya, ya. It's like yeah, Greece. Sandy, yes. Why, ya, ya. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. This sold uh, like 60, 70,000 copies in 2005. So, wasn't Meh. huge. Then the very next month, they went back to Japan and they released uh, their second Japanese single on July 13th, 2005 called Somebody to Love. Their original Japanese debut, so this song peaked at number 14 and the previous one that they just released, Stay With Me Tonight, that reached number 37. So in general, the Japanese debut was not as successful as Avex Group had planned Probably for hoped, yeah. or hoped for. Um, so the member, and even the members have talked about how the first few months in Japan were rough. Like they all had a really hard time. Um, but in August of 2005, they performed at AVEX's A Nation Summer Concert Tour. So this is their first music festival in Japan. 
Then they returned to Korea in the fall, and September 12, 2005, they released their second album titled Rising Sun with a title track of the same name. This song was composed by Yoo Young Jin, and that name has already come up. It will come up. He seems to be the like main writer of TVXQ. The music video of this one is really frantic, like punching and church and a club and screaming, and the camera is shaking like the whole mm-hmm. time, and it's just really frantic. Yeah, I said that it looked. It feels like an episode of Angel, the Buffy <laughs> spinoff. Sure. Yeah. And the lyrics to this one are like super fucking poetic. Like they're so poetic. And like, I can't even tell you what the overall concept was, but it's like imagery (laughs) about like waking up poisoned from my dreams and my ruined innocence, like the last sunset. And like, I don't know, it's real drama. Yeah, it is. And the song, like you said, the music video feels frantic, but the song does too. It's like very, very like urgent and it has more techno elements than their previous one but it still has the strings um and then there's just like somebody literally screaming like no (laughs) and it's you know um (laughs) but there is a really really fun and totally bananas like doesn't belong in this song at all vocal breakdown at about like three minutes in that is fun as shit and it becomes like kind of like tropical-y or something like I I don't know it it becomes like a totally different groove and I wish we had more of whatever that song was yeah um this album debuted at number one and it became the fourth best selling record of the year it was released in South Korea Taiwan Hong Kong Thailand and Japan and it sold over 200,000 physical copies in the year 2005. It is known as TVXQ's breakthrough album and the title track became a signature song of theirs. And like their previous album, they also made multiple music videos for this. They promoted Tonight, Beautiful Life, and Always There with a music video for each. And apparently, I cannot confirm this because I've never seen this movie, but maybe you have. Um, The title track, Rising Sun, is featured as the background music of Paul Walker's opening scene in Fast and Furious from 2009, which I believe is the fourth one. Okay. Because it's not the Fast and the Furious, and it's not too Fast, too Furious. I think it's Tokyo Drift. Drift. Yeah, I think it's the fourth one. Wow. So, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. All right. I just need to see if I made, like, so many notes of the B-sides. Oh, you know what? I think Yuna from Girls' Generation is in the Beautiful Life music video. Oh, okay. That's the only thing I have of note. But I actually have it as a question. Is this Yuna? Because I think it is, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, my only notes for Rising Sun were fucking ew, Mickey's blonde ponytail. (laughs) Because he like has this crazy mullet where he looks like his hair is like short from the front, but he has a full ponytail in the back and it's blonde. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just the ponytail. It's so gross. (laughs) it's so true and like this song is so like we said like loud and in your face and like fast paced and then these three b-sides that they promoted tonight beautiful live and always there are like the most beautiful oh my god the vocals sweeping unbelievable vocal songs like tonight we you have heard if you've listened to our tonight battle we talked about that song on there but like both of them all three of them are gorgeous and sound nothing like (laughs) rising sun 
So November 2nd is the next thing on our timeline. They go back to Japan, release their third Japanese single, which is called My Destiny. This was released in seven different editions, a CD only, a CD and DVD, and five individual member versions. There were two B-sides on it, um, or two songs on it, the My Destiny, a B-side called Eternal, and then an acapella version. The last thing they did in 2005, December 15th, they released what they called a maxi single, Show Me Your Love. We just recently talked about this song on our K-pop Christmas episode. Which was a Patreon-only episode. That's right. <laughs> I forgot that was exclusive. Well, so then for those of you who aren't Patreon subscribers, Show Me Your Love is a joint venture with TVXQ and Super Junior 05. It was also composed by Kenzie. So we also talked about this song in the Super Junior Deep Dive because mm-hmm. it's very important to their timeline as well. Yeah, it's like one of the first things that they did. Yeah. Um, and TVXQ was like introducing like SM Family, Super Junior 05 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's a Christmas song. Yeah, so the music video is both groups at a winter-themed photo shoot. At the beginning, Super Junior gets really sleepy and then T- Yuno's like, yo! And like wakes them <laughs> up with the beginning of the songs. And then they just like sing under fake snow and like look happy in some of it's filmed at Lottie World. Yeah. Um, and the lyrics are, yeah, what a sweet time, TVXQ, new family, super junior. Like, and then it's just a sweet song about confessing your love in the snow. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, this peaked at number one, and it sold about 50,000 copies by the end of the year, which was just like that month, because it came out in December. Um, and the release actually came with two other songs, which were also by Kenzie. So it was this duet, sort of combo collab Mm -hmm. and then there was a tvxq song called i want to hold you and a super junior song called i'm your man in february of 2006 they went on their first international tour which was called the rising sun tour and this had six shows four in seoul one in bangkok and one in kuala lumpur which made them the first korean artist to headline a concert in malaysia wow altogether there were about 69,000 in attendance cool March of 2006, March 8th, they released their fourth Japanese single called Asuwa Kurukara, um, and it was used as one of the ending themes for the show One Piece. That same month, March 20, uh, on March 22nd, they released their debut Japanese album, which was titled Heart, Mind, and Soul, and the album w- had 17 tracks on it. <laughs> it debuted at number 25, um, but sold like 18,000 copies. Um, And all of these 17 tracks, like mostly it's just all of this. So the four singles they've already released, plus the Japanese version of Hug. And then they have Japanese versions of all of their Korean releases and acapella versions of like a lot of the songs. So none of it was new. None of it was very similar to the Boa deep dive. I think this just might be a way that J-pop works that we're not used to. I think so. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So they released, uh, from that album, they separately released Rising Sun slash Heart, Mind, and Soul, which was a double A-side single on April 4th. And I've never even fucking heard of a double (laughs) A-side where you take two title tracks and you release them together, but that's a thing. May 2006, they launched their first 
Japanese tour, which was called the first live tour 2006 Heart, Mind, and Soul. This had 11 shows in seven cities from May to June with about 20,000 attendees. And after that, that summer, they finished it out with two more uh, Japanese singles, Begin, which came out on June 21st and peaked at number 15, and Sky, which came out on August 16th and debuted at number six. So that makes it the first single to reach a top 10 in Japan. Yeah. And of those quickly listed, which is fine, Japanese singles, the first two music videos have them in like all white 98 degrees outfits and I was dying over them. I wrote that too. (laughs) I was like these all white outfits on the roof. Um, And then Sky is when I wrote, okay, I officially love summer TVXQ. Yeah. Cause like the, like, I don't know when they, these summer releases always just have them outside in tank tops with normal hair and mm-hmm. I can appreciate them as a like regular old yeah, boy yeah, yeah, band yeah. and I like it. But I did write that the choreo in Sky is absolutely so silly. It's so absolutely cheesy. silly. The move where they have their legs straight out and they just go like beep, beep. It's so silly. It's so silly. And their like beautiful feathery mullets are just out of control. Um, All right. So this takes us to fall of 2006. In September on the 29th, they released their third Korean album, which was called Oh Dong Ban Hap, the title track of the same name. This song also composed by Yu Youngjin. So the music video of this one is also the like high drama of Triangle, but a little more real because they apparently flew them all around. Yuno's part is filmed in Japan. Mickey's and Changmin's in Prague. Jejung was in Thailand and Junsu in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what else is happening in that music video? I'm trying to remember. I didn't write a whole bunch of, most of my notes have oh. to do with the hair. I wrote, oh no, not the 9-11 footage. Cause there's like, they're flashing a bunch oh, of like yeah, yeah, world yeah. tragedies yes. to like keep the Cause the lyrics, up. the lyrics of this song are about pleading for peace and resistance to global conflicts. And the title translates to, oh, justice, opposition, solution, which is apparently derived from a German school of philosophy called uh, Hegelianism, Hegelianism. I don't know. But it had like a whole like theory behind it. Yeah. So it's another one of those like dra- drama, rising sun, like the world is broken kind of songs. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just scroll scrubbed through it really quick. Like, yeah, it's them looking dramatic in all their places around the world. And then they do like the main dance on what appears to be a jetway at the <laughs> airport. Yes. Like one of the like sky bridges at the freaking airport. Yeah. And they do their like, like arm crazy, like hiding behind each other choreo or Mm -hmm. whatever. The choreo to this one is pretty awesome. It is very cool. And the song starts with Mickey introducing Yuno for a dance break. Mm -hmm. So like more dance, a little more dance focused um, and more like techno computer heavy than some of their other songs. But the dance break part, again, epic, perfect, wonderful dance break. I love the song that the dance break is. And the dance break choreo is actually cool. There's a part where like yeah. the backup dancers come behind them and then they all have like four arms and they like do yeah. some neat stuff. And this is when uh, Hiro and Shia 
Jaejung and Jonsu switch hair colors uh. um, because now Jaejung is blonde and he has a blonde mullet, which is for part of the music video styled as a mohawk and mm-hmm. it looks crazy. Um, Mickey looks like Captain Sparrow. Captain Jack Sparrow with the mm-hmm. like random braids and the like dirty, dirty pirate hair nasty. is what I wrote. Yeah. It looked so gross. Changmin has like a crimped bush behind him with the like half twisties. His hair looks so damaged and just oh. like crunched. It's fried as <laughs> shit. Uh, and you knows I described as an artichoke PC mullet mm. because from the front it looked normal, but then there was a shot of him from behind, like on a bridge, and the way that the like ribbons of hair like came mm. out and like layered atop each other looked like yes. an artichoke. Okay, I like, know you're. Yes. Oh my god! Wait, I yes, just... you just look at yeah. that. Yeah, that looks. What is that? It's like when you get your hair done for prom and they don't cr- and they uh, don't comb the brush curls out. out the curls. It that is insanity. That's insanity, and it was done on purpose. On purpose. <laughs> Um, so this album debuted at number one. They released four different versions and it became the best selling record of 2006 after only one month. The success of this album led to four end of the year awards for TVXQ, including the Artist of the Year and Best Group at the Mnet KM Music Festival. They won three Soul Music Awards and four at the SBS Gaio de June. Um, they also won the Album of the Year at the Golden Discs, which is the grand prize, and their first award in Japan at the MTV Video Music Awards. So very, very successful album at this point. They're most. Yes, but we must talk about, we must take a moment to talk about the other promoted Mm B-side of this album because it is unlike anything that they they or any K-pop group has ever done, honestly. And that is the single Balloons. You have played this song as a joke on the show like several times because I think it is so funny. But it is just an Eggyo song and they are wearing animal pajamas Mm -hmm. and they are singing with Eggyo about balloons. They almost, the characterization that they have added to their voices makes this song unlike anything else in their discography. It is so crazy to me watching it and seeing how cutesy it is I like can't even believe it and I and we were talking about this earlier like it's hard to imagine other groups doing something with such an intense cartoonish concept because not only are they being very cutesy there are also little mini me's yeah there are children baby tvxq who are also dressed in little animal costumes and fun fact three of those children are idols now so The baby tiger is Moonbin from Astro. He was the tallest of the five little TVXQs, so he's the Yuno. Uh, Chanwu from Icon is the deer, so he was the little Changmin. And the tiniest bunny one, I think it's a bunny. It's like a pink costume, but the child is so small that just the mouth is showing and the back Mm. of the costume is like hanging down. But I think it's a bunny. Anyway, the absolute smallest child is Chani from SF9. 
That is so funny that the that three of them ended up being idols. Like that's so funny. But and I know Moonbin and Chanwoo are like childhood friends, so maybe they met on this doing this. Because yeah, there's a very cute video of them practicing balloons and then doing it on some kind of like variety show once on YouTube. And like Moonbin is so much taller than all of the other kids, and he like has <laughs> so the choreo better. like down, right. and he's oh, like he'll wow. be such a little star. Yeah, it's so cute. Okay, sorry. Aside, no, we have no balloons must. Be be discussed it must be um okay so we have a couple of like weird news items in a row all right um so the first one is that on october 1st 2006 the cassies went wild after tvxq was on tv so there was a show that was called x-man and this was like proto running man it was on for a super long time and it was pretty similar to running man and like running man has been the like reboot of it anyway you know went on the show all the time and that's where he got a like mino like Mm -hmm. uh, reputation there we go that's a word for being hella competitive or whatever so anyway but the whole group went on x-man for the first time in a two-part special but a part of x-man was that there was always a couples race at Mm. the end and you had to pick get in couples right so uh the Cassies harassed all of the women who appeared so relentlessly that they all had to close their fan cafes. And there was one actress, Kang Eun-bi, who both Mickey and Shia wanted to be her partner, so they had to wrestle to be her partner. And because they had fought over this girl, they went so far as to show up where she was filming, throw rotten milk on her. <gasps> they mailed dead mice and razors to her. And this woman quit the entertainment industry for five years because they were harassing her so badly. Holy shit. Yeah. Nightmare stuff indeed. So it like gave, so TVXQ then had like a reputation that I think sort of like follows like, exo and stuff like that where when they go on other shows like nobody wants to like be close to them Mm -hmm. or argue with them or do anything that will get them like there's an example in the article i read about this where like they were in a future episode after the fact like you know was wrong or something and like Hodong went to correct him and then decided it was better to just leave him right because nobody wanted yeah nobody wanted the ire of the cassies yikes Yikes. Um, So then two weeks after this craziness, on October 14th, we talked about this in our Sassing episode, but it should be discussed Mm -hmm. again. Yuno was hospitalized after an anti-fan made it backstage and handed him orange juice with super glue in it. He drank it thinking that this person was staff, and then he got real sick, collapsed, and spent several days in the hospital. And the woman was apprehended and revealed to be a member of an anti-fan website for two years, but it was unclear how she was able to gain access to the building. Uh, Yuno contacted the police and requested that they not press charges because the suspect was the same age as his younger sister, and he stated that the incident affected him more mentally than physically, and he didn't want this person to be overly punished or whatever yeah he said that he couldn't he couldn't not see her as his sister and was like too sympathetic to to press charges but he did admit years later to suffering from a panic disorder um because of it and he said that he got over his panic disorder in a way that sounds so unhealthy what did he do 
Every single morning he would wake up and force himself to drink like 10 glasses of orange juice because like he couldn't get right. over it. And so he was like, I did that for like 25 Immersion days or something. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He just like forced himself to drink to it until it didn't of juice anymore. Because oh, every no. time, because every time he tried to drink orange juice, he had a panic attack. So he like forced himself to oh drink God. it until he didn't have a reaction to it. And I was like, my baby <laughs> yeah terrible horrifying definitely one of if not the worst example of sassing behavior that we had for on sure that scary fans episode <clears throat> so a few months after that in november on november 8th 2006 they released their eighth japanese single which is called miss you and this is the first single to reach the top three on oricon uh the b-side for this was a japanese version of their korean release oh and a few months later, in February of 2007, they went on their second international tour, the second Asia tour, colon, O. And this one was bigger than the first. It had 13 shows in five countries, South Korea, Taiwan, Malaysia, Thailand, and China, with 390,000 attendees. And it was the most commercially successful tour at this point in their career. Uh, during that tour... They released their second Japanese album called Five in the Black. Um, the highest charted single off of this album was Miss You slash O, but they promoted five singles altogether, three of which had been previously released, but this time they did have two new ones called Step by Step and Choosy Lover. Um, and the 16-track album debuted at number 10 on the Oricon. A few months later, so I'm guessing that this overlapped with the international tour because they launched on May in May of 2007 their second Japanese tour titled Five in the Black that had 16 shows in 11 cities from May to June with 77,000 attendees. Okay. So those are either back to back with the second international one or they're overlapping. But then the rest of the year, they finish out just releasing Japanese things. So from June to December, they release five more singles, roughly one a month. Lovin' You, Summer Dream, Shine, Slash Ride On, Forever Love, and Together. All five of these singles debuted in the top five on Oricon, with Summer being the most successful at number two. On November 7th in 2007, they collaborated with the Japanese singer Kumi Koda on a single titled Last Angel. And this song reached number three. It stayed on the charts for 12 weeks and it won the best collaboration video at Japan's MTV Video Music Awards. Yeah, she seemed cool. Uh, she did seem cool. That was like my note. I was like, she's cool. This song isn't bad. <laughs> yeah, I think I had that too. Um, yeah, the song was fun. And I really liked the... I thought that she... Her voice and style to me just fit perfectly with their Japanese mm -hmm. aesthetic. Like the it the sound was right. Um, and the way that they harmonized with her, I thought sounded really beautiful. Like it all just worked. It worked. Mm -hmm. um, and several of these songs are like very nice. We can like talk about them. Um, but unfortunately their Japanese stuff is not available on Spotify. Like all of their early Japanese discography is only on YouTube. So please check the playlist because there are some good songs on here. 
Um, but that takes us to January 15th of 2008. And this is their 16th <laughs> Japanese single. But it is their first to debut at number one. And it is called Purple Line. <laughs> This song was composed by their Korean songwriter, Yu Young Jin, and produced by Lee Suman. And it made them the first foreign male group or boy band to top the Japanese charts and the second Korean artist to do so after BOA. It makes so much sense to find out that, that the that's SM it, writers yeah. wrote it because I was at this point in watching the whole playlist like, getting tired because like i said <laughs> the japanese songs are all like really long and really repetitive and i like wasn't really feeling a lot of them mm -hmm. because they just like they weren't vibing with me right i only liked the i only liked the ballad sure like loving you and forever love are these just like grand ballads and those are great but the like poppier ones are like all right yeah six minutes Six minutes of just like the same like cheesy chorus repeated in a few key changes, but like man. But this song, I liked it because it sounded like a K-pop song, and it's because it is. Yeah, it is. It is a K-pop song. We just made the lyrics Japanese, but like yeah, the music video feels more up their alley. Mm -hmm. It's like mostly like kind of black and white vibes, but like streaks of purple on their clothes and in their hair and whatever. Yeah, and it's line. like them like dancing like at night in front of a building or something. Um, and yeah, it's a really, really groovy, like fun song, but there is the most absolutely ridiculous English through the whole mm -hmm. thing, which makes sense. Produced by English. Lisa Mann. Um, but the Yunho rap in particular must be heard by everyone. There it is. Um, and it includes really aggressive, wiggly body roll choreo that is something. Yeah, I highly recommend <laughs> watching this music video to see the choreo that goes with that rap. But just the fact that he delivers the entire thing in this incredibly affected character voice i like am why lee suman did you direct him to do it that way yeah like for what <laughs> this song also includes mickey as a line really early on where he says i really want to touch myself and that was obviously <laughs> very popular online for many years after it was just like a chogiwa like a thing you can just say <laughs> and people know what it means a couple of weeks later, on January 22nd, they released their third Japanese album, which was just titled The Letter T. And this 16-track album debuted at number four on the Oricon. The promoted singles were all previously released, but the members got split into teams to travel separately to different cities and promote it. Weird. Interesting strategy. Um, and they actually delayed the planned Korean comeback in order to capitalize on this album's critical and commercial success. And an interesting thing about the T album is that the very first song on this album is called Trick. And Trick is a mashup of five different songs, okay. which are not on the T album. So the very first track of this album teases five songs which are not included in it. Ah. So from February to March, 
of 2008, they released these individual songs ah. because they are solo songs for each of the members. Interesting. So there were five singles released consecutively for six weeks that all came with a B-side. So Changmin's was Two Hearts with the B-side Wild Soul. Yu Chun released Runaway, or Mickey, released Runaway and My Girlfriend. Jun Su, his title track was just called If dot 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 exclamation question mark. The B-side was Rainy Night. You know released Close to You slash Crazy Life. And Jaejung released Keyword slash Maze. So that took up the first half of their 2008 and then in Mar- or the first few months. Because in March, they, re- they went on their third Japanese tour, the Tea Tour. This had 17 shows in eight cities from March to May with 150,000 attendees. And by the end of the tour, the album had received gold certification by the Recording Industry Association of Japan. During this tour, they released their 22nd Japanese (laughs) single uh, on April 23rd called Beautiful You. This is their second number one single in Japan, which makes them the second foreign artist to have two chart toppers. And the previous record had been held for over 24 years by a Taiwanese artist. Dang. So yeah. And I will say this song, excellent. It sounds like a Rob Thomas song. That was my, <laughs> that was my note. I, was I like, like it. I was like, I like the strummy, angsty guitarness of it all i liked it i thought it was fun the shots of you know in the mirror so dramatic so dramatic and the like there's just really good whiny falsetto in it and my personal favorite part is that you know has an excellent half ponytail and throughout all of these like japanese singles from 2007 to 2008 there's a lot of really good changmin ponytails too oh my god yes there was one in the summer in summer uh, summer summer dream. dream Summer Dreamy really has ponytail. a great ponytail, and in Shiny is a half pony. I always wrote it down. Because if you're like me and you like boys with long hair, then that's worth noting. It is worth <laughs> noting. Um, okay, so I have a couple of news items in a row right, that are m- mostly just kind of adding extra context to a really big event that we've talked about a bunch of times. So, on May 1st, 2008, the Samsung Anycall Haptic CF starts a fan war. So SNSD and TVXQ starred in a series of phone commercials and we played one of them on our CFs episode mm-hmm. because they're like full dramas. <laughs> we played the one where you know and Tiffany are like at a pool hall or something. But anyway, in all of these little dramas, all the members of these two groups touch a lot. Mm-hmm. Like they touch a lot and there's simulated kissing at the end of one of them. Like Sam should have known better. They're literally like coupled and they are touching. So Ka goes insane because their opas are being touched and the Sones snap back that DBSK was sexually harassing the girls. And so the blood is now bad. Oof. The blood is very bad. 20 days later, Junsu and Taeyeon are dating is the headline because during Korean music festival out here in LA, 
Taeyeon and Junsu or uh, Taeyeon and Junsu are leaving the stage after a joint show and they appeared to touch hands. I have a gif. It's such a quick touch. It almost seems like she's a high him away. five. I think it's a high five. Because yeah. he's like high fiving people and then he like, yeah, they like it's barely a high touch. five. They barely touch. But when they were here in LA, fans who were following them around <laughs> sure. spotted just the two of them at a mall together. And the pictures the fans got are them just walking next to each other, but the mm. fans claimed that they were like holding and hugging and whatever. They don't have any pictures Picks of that. Though. Or didn't happen, <laughs> bro. But all these like fan accounts were freaking out and it was the big like rumor at the time. SM literally never addressed it. Never. Wow. Not even one time. Which is fine. They don't have to. Um, but then this all leads up to June 7th, 2008. This was the night of the dream concert in 2008. Mm. The Black Ocean dream concert. And one Cassie fan wiki quote said, Cassie's were the firepower at the Ooh. dream concert. Because it always gets blamed on the Super Junior fans who sure. started it. But... The Cassies were the firepower to make the moment happen because they were the fandom that was claiming they were getting stabbed and that one of the Cassies got beat to death. And if you remember, we investigated. Mm. This was none of the violence at the Dream Concert was ever corroborated by any, <laughs> any. reputable news source. Police re police reports were not filed. Nobody. Journalists <laughs> did not report that violence occurred. But... It seems like Cassie's to the urban legends <laughs> easily whipped. They are a fandom easily whipped into a frenzy. Mm -hmm. So the super junior fans were all like, we hate girls generation. Right. And they was, so they, mm. as a big, powerful phantom probably had a lot to do with that incident. So Ouch. just had to note it rough. So in July, uh, July 23rd, 2008, they release another Japanese single with a very long Japanese name. I will not attempt to pronounce but the english translation is why did i fall in love with you this was their third number one single in japan so that makes them the first foreign artist to have three they're just going to keep breaking keep their own records that, yeah. at a certain point um, and there are two versions of this music video. One has TVXQ and one of them just has the actors to tell the story. But I could only find one of the versions on YouTube. So I don't know what happened to the other one. Perhaps it does not exist anymore. Yeah, the actor, the that the weirdest part I found about the actor part is that they very clearly only shot a really finite amount of scenes with these actors. Mm -hmm. But like we've said, these Japanese songs are six minutes long. Yeah. So they just keep playing <laughs> the same shots you've already seen. Cause they don't have more. Yeah. It's very it's, odd. It's at very a certain strange. points. I started thinking like, is this just the same video twice? Like did they loop it and I didn't <laughs> loop see? the song and I didn't catch it. No, it seems <laughs> inconceivable. But the song is very beautiful, yeah. and I, I put on the playlist a live version, which uh, is not the ver the live version itself is not six minutes long. The video is seven minutes because it's two songs. Mm. So I don't know why the Japanese music videos are six minutes long, and maybe that is why they seem so repetitive. Like maybe they are actually repeating them because the live version of it is Isn't a normal song length. Yeah, it's yeah. like four minutes maybe. So I don't know what's don't happening there. 
But anyway, finally, in September, we are back to a Korean release. So on September 26, 2008, two full years since their last Korean wow. release, they put out their fourth album, Merotic. And the title track is of the same name, but you're not hearing a clip because this is their most watched of five members. And we just watched this on the random game. But I don't care. Too fucking bad. We're, We're watching, watching it again. again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. It is a okay. classic. It was composed, again, by Yu Young Jin, but this time with a whole slew of people. Remy, Lucas Sekon, Thomas Trollson, who is Danish, and Sarah Connor. She is a... She has a writing credit on it because she is a German singer who owns a copyright to the song, but her version has a different chorus melody, uh, has a different chorus, mel blah, blah, blah. has a different melody for the chorus and a different bridge and it doesn't have any rap parts. So it is a different song, but she has a copyright. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the lyrics of this one. So merotic is a coin is, is a term that was coined by Jejun combining the Korean needle meaning maze, and the English suffix tick. So the song is literally telling you that you're so in love with them. You want me. You've fallen for me. You're crazy over me. You can't escape, and I've got you under my skin. Yeah, so it's like it has you hypnotized. Mm -hmm. Like it, it is definitely supposed to sound like hypnotic. This album debuted at number one, and it sold 110,000 copies in the first week, which set a record for one-week sales, and it became the best-selling album of 2008. This was the first Korean album in four years to break 500,000 sales. In 2007, the Korean music industry had like an album sales slump, and this was one of the first album. This was the first album to break that slump. Um, it won Album of the Year at Golden at the Golden Discs, uh, and the Mnet KM Music Festival, so two Album of the Year awards. Um, and it is still, to this day, TVXQ's best-selling album, and it was it is known as the album of the decade for being the best-selling album among second-gen idols. So of all the albums released during the second generation, this one sold the most. That makes it the album of the decade. The title itself won nine music shows. It is one of the most successful singles ever in South Korea and was downloaded over 2 million times in 2008. It is known as a staple K-pop song. Literally everybody covers it. Boys, girls, doesn't matter. And it is the first album where members had any creative control at all. Jeonsu and Changmin have lyric credits on Picture of You and Love in the Ice, respectively. Jaejung and Mickey composed and wrote Don't Cry My Lover and Love by Love, respectively, as well. And there are three music videos off of this album, one for Merotic, one for Wrong Number, and one for Are You a Good Girl? They also released in October a Japanese version of Merotic, which debuted at number one, and that again broke their own record set by the previous single. They are now the first foreign artist in Japan to have four number ones. Unfortunately, despite the massive, massive success of this album, P 
people want to man the man got to keep you down man the man's got to keep you down so in november of 2008 the korean commission of youth protection ruled that marotic was detrimental to the youths because of overly sexual and provocative lyrics sm had to put 19 plus stickers on the albums and performances of the song could only be broadcast after 10 p.m. So SM produced a clean version with I Got You Under My Sky instead of My Skin, but they released a statement saying that they disagreed with the ruling and did not think that the lyrics were inappropriate. The Korean Commission of Youth Protection did not appreciate the fact that SM publicly disagreed with them. So the case actually went all the way to the Seoul Administrative Court, who ruled in favor of SM. The court said, quote, even though we acknowledge that the young are more sensitive to sexual stimuli and less able to control sexual urges, the lyrics neither encouraged youth to have sex nor described women as object for sex. Fair ruling. Fair ruling. But the commission wouldn't let it go, and they even tried to appeal. Dang. Those crotchety really feels people. Like a grudge. Yeah, they're like clutching your pearls. My goodness. The controversy didn't keep them down, though, because in December of 2008, they became the first Korean group to perform at the Japanese New Year's Eve music festival, which is called Kohaku Utagasen, also just known as Kohaku. And this is a huge deal, the fact that they got to do this, because this New Year's Eve music festival is purely invite only. And the festival itself, getting invited, is a barometer of success for artists in Japan. And the premise of the show is that artists are invited to come. They take the most popular artists of the year. So not only is it significant to get invited, but it also means you have already passed a level of success. Mm -mm -mm. You were the most popular this year, so that's why you're here. And then they divide all of the artists into two teams, female soloists or groups with female vocalists, male soloists, groups with male vocalists and then the two groups have to create a performance and then compete and an audience and judges vote to choose the winner um so very big deal that they got to uh go to this and this moment is known as like a benchmark for their career in japan sure they followed that in january uh 2009 on the 21st they released a, another single called bolero and this was a triple A side. <laughs> so they also released it with the songs Kiss the Baby Sky and Wasure Nade. It debuted at number one and was certified platinum by February. Um, and the song was the theme song. The song Bolero was the theme song for the Japanese movie Subaru, in which TVXQ made their film debut as a, with a cameo where they played performers at a bar where one of the characters was. That same month in February, they released their, or they went on their third international tour called Merotic. This had eight shows originally planned for a few more in five cities in South Korea, China, and Thailand from February to October. It had about 168,000 attendees, but some of the originally planned shows in November were canceled as a result of some upcoming events. Mm. Before we get to that... March 25th, same year, they released their fourth Japanese album. It's called The Secret Code. It's a 15-track album. It debuted at number two. It was certified platinum. And it, they promoted four previously released singles, uh, plus one new one called Survivor. 
Um, then just a few months later, May 2009, they launched their fourth Japanese tour called The Secret Code. This has 21 shows in nine cities from May to July. So yes, right in the middle of the Marotic tour, but had 300,000 attendees. The final two shows of this tour were their two show, were the first shows at the Tokyo Dome. So this makes them the first Korean group to ever perform at the Tokyo Dome. Rain is the first Korean artist. Um, and the set list was three hours and 20 minutes, and it included 32 songs. Dang. So major deal. Then, a few months later, after two months after this tour has launched... So that means in the middle of two tours. Two tours. July 2009, Jejun, Mickey, and Junsu sue SM to be released from their contracts, citing multiple reasons why their contracts were excessive and unfair. And we broke this down in our episode, which was episode 31. Amazing. It's called Contract Disputes, if you'd like to hear a little bit more. But brief overview the courts initially sided with the three members because their contract was 13 years and they were suing to get out of it early and the courts were like, eh, maybe that is unfair. But SM filed an injunction and the two sides end up battling it out in the courtrooms for the next three years. So in the meantime, the tours are continuing. So the boys are just having to like perform together and tour around this whole time. And in November of 2009, Yuno and Changmin make a public statement in support of SM. Uh, even their dads chime in. They claim it's all a money grab. The dads do, not Yuno and Changmin. Their statements are <laughs> dads very, Dads are like, always very messy in yeah. these things. But Yuno and Changmin were very, like, contrite, like, please think about your future. Like, if it really, like, if you care about being members of TVXQ, like, take this back. Um, but despite the ongoing legal battles, they continued their Japanese activities as five through early 2010. So December of that year, 2009, they again perform at the Kohaku New Year's Eve Festival. This is their last public appearance as five. January 27th, 2010, they release another Japanese single, Breakout. It debuted at number one. Uh, this is the first time that it also debuted number one on the monthly charts as well as the dailies. It broke a record for the most copies sold in the first week by a foreign artist. That record was previously held by Elton John for 14 years. Wow. February 17th, they released their first Japanese Greatest Hits album, <laughs> which was called Best Selection 2010, and it was a 16-track album of all their number ones. It sold over 400,000 copies in one week and was certified double platinum by the end of the month. The following month, March 24th, they released their 30th... Japanese <laughs> single, English title, Please Stop Time. It comes oh, with damn. a... Yeah, I know. It's like that's their last song as five people. And, like, and it's called Please title. Stop Time. I know. Insane. This came with a B-side, which is a you know solo. It's called Checkmate. I don't know why. Because it's all they had left in the bank. Probably. But it was certified platinum. And then the following month in April, so that's like a couple... like. Two singles and a best of one month right after the other. In April, their Japanese management company, Avex Group, publicly states that TVXQ will be suspending all group activities in favor of individual solo activities for all of the members. But just one week later, they announce a special unit with just 
Jejum, Mickey, and Junsu under a new label, CJES. TVXQ was under Rhythm Zone. At the time of the announcement, the group didn't have a name, but this later becomes JYJ. So this announcement fires up the legal battles again, and JYJ is like suing to end the exclusive contracts. SM is suing for breach of exclusive contracts, etc., etc. You know, and Changmin do not say anything through this. They remain silent through everything. No more public statements. On June 30th, AVEX releases two more greatest hits albums as the final act of their Rhythm Zone contract. So we're just closing it up. Let's <laughs> review everything. Here albums. you go. JYJ is essentially blacklisted in Korea as a result of this. Fans and others are just like generally feeling betrayed and like grossed out by how kind of like snippy, like mud slinging it became. And I think Yuno and Changmin, with their decision to stay quiet, are coming out on top in this because they're like, they come out looking like demure and respectful because they choose to keep their heads down. So obviously there was a ton of fandom fallout. Like, honestly, I think to this day, this is probably one of the like biggest and craziest things that ever happened in K-pop because Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe second to EXO pulling the exact same thing, but like, but this was the first time, but the level of popular, like they were so extremely popular and to like break up like this in the middle was just like really, really shocking. And there was obviously a ton of really nasty fan fallout Mm -hmm. because I don't know. I think like with, like with EXO, it was like those boys left and then they just did their own thing. But if they had, if XOM had split and been like, we're called Mexo now. Yeah. 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 And we're a different group. Like, Oh my God, the fight. Like, so this was like, they, they were, they were splitting the group in half. Mm -hmm. So it like, People didn't know how to, who to be loyal to like, and, and so the like additional was... messiness of the comp of Avex group going back on their own word and making it seem as though, you know, and Changmin are getting like cut out, mm-hmm. right? Like that adds an extra level of mess to it all. So the fans were essentially split into three teams. There were people who just wanted the group together as five, no matter what, and like wouldn't accept anything else. And one of these people makes a appearance in the I am documentary during one of the TVXQ <laughs> oh, yeah. stages. There is someone in the front defiantly holding a DB five K poster and standing completely still like mm-hmm. in silent protest yeah. that like, I won't accept two, only five. Yeah. Um, but then there was obviously people who support, you know, and Changmin and people who supported JYJ. And then they started calling each other all kinds of mean names. <laughs> so people who still supported, you know, and Changmin were called Hotel Nyo, which means hotel girl and was like derived from like literally eight other words. And I couldn't, my Korean is not good enough. I couldn't figure out the through line, mm-hmm. but this was some really layered dig at all of them okay. somehow. And then people who supported JYJ were called Chisuni, which is like compound of two words that mean sin mm, because they were the bad ones. Sure. And then DC Inside Gallery, which was like the fan site that I was talking about earlier that had those like no shipping rules. Their mods went JYJ. <sighs> So it created a huge mess and then like nobody knew where to be because it was like, 
all of the fans had all talked in one place. Yeah. And now no one agreed. So they had to like find their corners where like people agreed with them and then they would like, you know, hate bomb each other's sites and try to get them torn. Like it was truly just like three years of everyone being really awful to each other. But when it was settled in 2012, apparently the fandom war also just like everyone decided to let it go yeah. once it was settled. That is when the legal, yes, legal like side when it was, was finished settled. three years yeah. later, they finally decided mm-hmm. to like wave the white flag and be done fighting. Also that just makes me think because, okay, so like this started in 2009, it took them three years. They settled it in 2012 and like the next year they were back in the courts because of EXO uh, with yeah. the same fucking thing. <laughs> Wild. Rough go of it, SM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. Um, but yeah, that that leads us to the end of this chapter. That's it. That's the part with five people. Yeah. So we have reached the point in which the three split off. They are they have plans to debut in Japan specifically. Cause like we said, taste They're has done soured in Korea. in Korea. They're not coming back. So they are moving to Japan to be JYJ. And you know, and Changmin have some thinking to do. Yeah. So we will go get some water because we need it after all this talking. (laughs) And we'll be right back to watch Marotic and give you some recommendations. All right, we're back and we're ready to watch one of the best K-pop music videos ever again because we deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly never get tired of this song. So So if you want to watch Marotic with us, pull it up and press play when I say go. Three, two, one. One, go. All right. Guns out. Guns out. Yeah, I mean, I we didn't, like, mention it that much, but they were, like, n- nudie sometimes. Kind of a lot. Absolutely. From the beginning, they always had, like, shirtless moments, I think. And then this one in particular, like, yeah, none of them are wearing real shirts. Actually, that's not true. I think one of them. Who who has a shirt on? I don't know. Let Let's find out. Maybe Changmin, because he's the baby. You know, he has a vest. Not a shirt. Yeah, that's not a shirt. Actually, I don't think any of them have real shirts on in this. Oh no, Mickey's Mickey wearing has, a, like, hoodie, a whole hoodie, but, oh. but he's not wearing a shirt underneath the hoodie. They definitely wear these exact outfits on one of their stages. But Jaejung has a shirt or something on it because at a certain point in that performance, you know, unbuttons the jacket and mm. he's the only fully shirtless one. One hit. Aja. Me, Joe. I got you. Under my skin. There were some, I think, was it this one? I gotta look now. There was some stage I watched where the screams were so loud. <laughs> yeah. You like could not hear them singing. Yeah. And that would like to a level that I had not heard before on a music show. I noticed that and it might have been one of the really early ones because I noticed in one performance. Hi, that, yeah, yeah. Like, That's what it was. Yeah. That they weren't. I mean, it might have been like pre real fan chant times mm-hmm. because they were all just scream singing it the whole yeah. song. But they did the member call outs at one point, but they mm-hmm. were scream singing the whole song yeah. over. And there were like so many moments of people just going, (laughs) like, you know, which doesn't usually at a music show, it's like way more. 
like organized, organized. <laughs> but there were people like when they would pan over the crowd there would just be people sitting there with their hands over their ears <laughs> The hair is very tame in this, yes. I would say. All of, except, except for, for Mickey's co- like half cut in the middle bangs. Yeah. But all of them have like shorter hair this time. This is like the first time they all have hair that is like not longer than their ears. <laughs> the flexing bicep arms and the necks. I know. It's fun, too, to see them, because I wouldn't describe TVXQ as a beast idol group, Mm -hmm. but they have the pieces of a beast idol group in that they do show a lot of skin. They do have, like, sexy lyrics and kind of, like, come-hither songs, but they're scrawnies. They are not beastly. Look yeah, how com- baggy I mean, that jumpsuit is. Compared on you, to how buff the kids get these that, days, well, sure, that's true. Yeah, but that's, I was thinking like this is like before different standard, different of beast, standard of different beast, standard yeah. of beast. And I thought it was interesting too watching all of their music videos. Some of their songs have almost like moves that I would describe as feminine. Mm. Like there are some parts where like the choreo is like so smooth and it's like a lot of arms and like long legs and things. And they love just like slow, smooth, dramatic choreo. Yeah. (sighs) TVXQ. Well, do you have any recommendations for this uh, chunk of TVXQ? Absolutely, I do. Um, My recommendation is... A song off of their first album, Triangle. It's a B-side that did come with a music video. It is called Whatever They Say, parentheses, acapella. But I will say, I will note that on uh, Spotify, it's as whatever they say. There's a typo and an extra R in the official Spotify one. <laughs> um, but this song is just absolutely stunning. It's and so good. It's so unbelievably beautiful that I truly didn't even know where to pick like a clip from sure. to be like, yeah, this. Cause at first I wanted to be like, well, obviously like Jay June's insane, like high notes, falsettos at the end, like, and then it comes in with the like all of the like five part harmonies and it's just like so magical. Mm-hmm. But obviously I am a biased bitch and I have to go for my loyalty. But also the you know line, like his first line has this stunningly beautiful like little build up into this two part harmony at the end of his line, which is just like so gentle and lovely that it like made tears prick into my eyes as I was watching it. And like this whole, I definitely cried when I, (laughs) the first time that I listened to the song because it's just so beautiful. But this was also when I was watching this music video and like, they all look so lovely, especially Jay Jung with his like very long hair. And I was just like, I get why people lost their absolute Mm -hmm. shit over them. Like I get it. Because yeah. the vo- the vocals are just so good. And, like, they don't dance in this song because it's, like, a slow jam. Or it's, like, a ballad. But they're all wearing they- the same sweater and, yeah. like, <laughs> white pants. 
And they're like very clearly at the airport. Like I know mm-hmm. what the Incheon airport looks like. And like, I'm pretty sure they're at the airport. Yeah. Like, they're just like night, sitting, leaning on a, in front of a building yeah 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 singing their song oh and it's so gorgeous but like and so there's no choreo in this but obviously like you know that they are so good at the choreo and then to have like all five of the members with such beautiful voices and they sing so phenomenally together and like oh i get it yeah totally i get it um, my recommendation is also from a similar era i think i'm gonna go with my princess which was their second song it's the other song on the hug single um and it is um so good it's just like classic it's classic boy band like it sounds it's a little dated for 2005 Mm -hmm. but like i don't care because it like hits that perfect sweet spot like i don't know it's just like it's boy band music like they do (laughs) five part harmonies and like they're a pretty boy band and i love it yeah my main note for that song was just wow the harmonies um but yeah this was also on the on the triangle album yes because they yeah they they released it again Mm -hmm. um but i also have a recommendation that is a very very recent recommendation because we talk about you know and changmin so much because we love them so much (laughs) but junsu like we said has been like peering his face back into the entertainment industry and very very recently he went on the show i believe it's called double threat that uh hyolin is on right now let me check that that's what it's called double threat double team double trouble what's it (laughs) called Double Trouble. It's called Double Trouble. And this is a, I believe that it's a like um, the call style competition show where like, because she did one with like a stage with Leah Kim. And like, so I think she gets to call in a celebrity friend for every episode or whatever to perform a stage. I don't know the premise of the show. The point is Hyolin and Junsu did Coming of Age Ceremony, which is a song from 2000 that we talked about in the 2000 episode, but they did it as a duo and like, um, it's so good. (laughs) I like, don't even like, it's seriously so good. Like I, they have so much chemistry and they like actually touch and the choreography is like really good and their voices are amazing together. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like more idols in their thirties, please. Like I just, I love the vibes that it brings. And like, she does a whole like split. The choreo is really great. Anyway, he's still good. like so good. He's so good. Like for disappearing for 10 years. And I know he's been on Broadway stages. He's been doing his Broadway thing. But like, man, he's still got that idol spark. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really good. So mm-hmm. give that a watch. Yeah. And the original song is just a female soloist. So it is fun as a, de- as a duet. It is very fun. Yeah. I loved it. So that is it of our first part of TVXQ. <gasps> Phew, we did it. We did it. And next week we'll talk about 
Chapter Even two. more in chapter two. Um, but until then, you can find us online at amakpoppod, amakpoppod at gmail.com for emails, 181amakpop5 if you'd like to leave a voicemail. You can mail us things at P.O. Box 26096, Los Angeles, California, 90026. We have a Patreon, like we talked about in this episode. You can get bonus special exclusive episodes, patreon.com slash amakpoppod. Um, Linktree slash AMAKpop will take you to the Spotify and YouTube playlist for this mm-hmm. episode. Please, like, there are how many videos? 50? There's 50 videos on the YouTube playlist. So that includes all the music videos that we, for the, like, singles and title tracks that we mentioned, as well as stages for most of them. Um, and then we also, all the music videos for, like, the B-sides and stuff, those are on there, too. Um, and yeah, like I said, their Japanese discography is not on Spotify, at least not their early stuff. So the Spotify playlist will only have the Korean releases. Yeah. But that's where that is. And those are all the places to find us. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this and we'll see you next week for more TVXQ. Goodbye. Jonghyun, you're our inspiration. 